Well, we're back again with a, a very old friend of the podcast, Professor Tsiong Tan from Singapore, who I've invited today to give his professional opinion about the impact of COVID-19 on social work globally, because he's in a unique position to have gathered information from colleagues all around the world and has some particular views about how we're going to talk about this pandemic and social work response to it, but also the post-COVID world. Chong, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. Now, now, why don't we just start by jumping straight in there. Could you just give a bit of an overview as you see it uh, of the, the social work responses you've been discussing with colleagues so far, and then we'll move on to specific things as, as the program develops. Is that all right? That's great. Okay. But we must first put into the context uh, COVID-19 situation worldwide. Mm -hmm. It's impacted more than 215 countries and 6 million confirmed cases of infection. Mm. So there have been um, many deaths. Uh, um, and uh, I think this is a drastic and critical time the countries in the world um, at risk um, tend to be uh, those who are more mature society uh, with uh, elderly populations uh, in terms of uh, deaths, that is. But in terms of um, the uh, worldwide distribution, you know that the um, virus has no respecter of persons or countries. It has uh, um, affected all the continents, big and small countries. Mm. Uh, but we do have data as to countries that are more at risk. And they are those who have the medical healthcare facilities that are less uh, advanced. Uh, uh, mm. And also those who are more at risk of death are those who have very dense population. Um, so it was declared a pandemic by WHO in March, and uh, it is not just a public health crisis. It is a worldwide, every sector of society, everyone is involved in the fight together. And I think this is where social work has to come in to play, because social work is about social well-being. And Although it is not primarily a uh, health concern alone, uh, the social psychological effect, the economic repercussions has direct bearing on social well-being. And I think it's in that regards, like for example, Singapore has to introduce circuit breaker, which is basically a controlled of uh, people's movement and opening of businesses. And I think when we look at that, the lockdown uh, has affected business, it has yeah. affected family life, it has affected the social and uh, economic well-being. So people, for example, are less in touch with each other physically, and uh, the idea is to break the chain of transmission so the impact on social well-being, which is a key concern of social work, 
uh, is into uh, like mental health. Uh, how does the uh, family cope? Where is the income sources for those who are, are at risk of uh, losing their jobs and businesses? And how do we deal with death and uh, dying, the issue of loss, loss of freedom, loss of uh, jobs, loss of income, and loss of uh, uh, the social network? if they do not uh, have interaction. And so the impact on social work is beyond just looking at the physical aspect and more to the social community aspect. And social work by its nature is very concerned about human resilience and how can we recover from crisis uh, in a most effective way that um, will help not only individuals, but communities bounce back. And the social support, social uh, integration, and social network is what makes for better recovery. And I think that's where social work again comes in, with not just our theoretical understanding of crisis, crisis intervention, uh, at the individual level, but also at the community and the social and uh, policy level. So I think if we were to say what is social work and the nature of social work in face of COVID-19, I would say it is to foster individual community and social resilience so that people can get back to life, can deal with the stress, can prevent further inter, uh, uh, crisis from happening or be able to be prepared to deal with uh, future crisis. So we are thinking not just the short term of what people need in the present, but also the longer term of building that um, spunk to keep individuals, families resilient and able to overcome but more important in this time, dealing with the various uh, vulnerable groups to help them recover, especially because the mandate of social work, the mission of social work is to focus on the vulnerable people and be able to support them. Right. And Let me ask you a question at this point, just, just if I could. What's your feeling about, uh, are you optimistic that those in power around the world will allow social work to do the job you've just outlined um, as best they can? Or do you see some degree of roadblocks because people will obviously be putting the economy in the forefront to a large extent and the, the, the kind of the idea that um, business must grow again and therefore monies will be directed in that direction. I, I, I just feel sometimes that um, the cynics amongst us will, will entertain the fact that social work might not be given all the resources that we really need in this time of crisis. Well, you are right to some extent. Uh, the, uh, uh, the focus of most government is to deal with the economic repercussion and I think rightly they have to deal with the 
uh, uh, infrastructure and the physical pro provisions so that the society can, can get back. But many countries and many governments have realized that the social psychological uh, response and the community uh, um, resilience is more than just an economic factor. And the ability for the uh, society to take care of its vulnerable people uh, is so important for the total recovery. And so I think uh, to some extent, yes, but in many situations, social work has already come into the forefront. Uh, NGOs have stepped up where government cannot. Mm. And then we find many civic society, uh, churches and uh, mosques and uh, temples coming in to play their part. So we must realize that this is not just social workers' job, but a total uh, society working together. And that's where social solidarity is not just thinking that social workers are the saviors of the world. Indeed, social workers work with all sectors of society to promote the social well-being. But I must emphasize, we must focus more on the vulnerable groups. Absolutely. Did you, have you got a sense of whether the United Nations, for example, or the World Health Organization, you know, the global um, organizations are um, being listened to as much as they should be? Or do you feel that there is some degree of, um, oh, I don't know, per, uh, national or regional kind of selfishness going to occur after this? Because an awful lot of aid work that was going on anyway has obviously been interrupted as well by COVID-19. And the post-COVID world still is not in focus, is it? Well, we have seen signs of uh, cracks in the uh, world uh, political system. Um, there will certainly be more tension. And it's inevitable that government will be more self-regulating uh, uh, as well as uh, putting their own uh, national interests first. But I think the organizations like WHO or UNDP are realizing that uh, disasters and pandemic is not going to be just a one-time deal and there are going to be worldwide repercussions. And helping our neighbors succeed is more important in the long term because most economy, most society are interdependent. And if you open up your travel to uh, the world, you will bound to have import and export of cases of COVID-19. So if your neighbor is doing well in the protection of the citizens and then when it is concerned about the others around the region and around the world then you will find that the well-being of the whole world is secured not just by self-interest of certain governments and certain nations mm. do you feel that social work has <clears throat> a loud enough voice uh, in the united nations I think, yes, uh, social work has some voice 
and uh, organizations like IFSW, IASSW have representation with the UN. But I think it's important that all the NGOs and all the national uh, uh, social workers work together in the collaborative fashion as well. And I think that's where your organization, mine as the Global Institute of Social Work, mm. also have a role to champion social work and social work training to more people. Uh, but maybe I want to slant our interview to think about more vulnerable groups, if mm. I may. Please go ahead. Well, let, I mean, okay. <clears throat> I think there's so many. I mean, but let me be led a little by yourself. What, what, where would you like to start? Because there are so many across the world, aren't there? Yeah, I, I have just said that caring for our neighbors, mm. caring for our citizens is actually caring for yourself mm. because COVID-19 is not just an individual problem. It's not just a national problem. It's an international problem. When you cover each other, you help your neighbor you help the community do well, you have actually done your part in terms of building social resilience. And when we talk about disaster management, crisis management, uh, we often want to focus on the vulnerable groups. And these are people like young children, which you have said earlier, mm -hmm. uh, older adults, and those who are mentally challenged, for example, mm -hmm. or those who have less access to the resources, those who may have been handicapped or injured, traumatized, uh, or those who are infected with the COVID-19 uh, uh, disease. And so the, the focus should be on the vulnerable groups, that if you protect the vulnerable groups and you help them recover, you are helping society because these are the people who are your weakest link in a sense. And if you do not deal with, say, uh, issues of poverty and the spread among, say, migrant workers who are more vulnerable, uh, who live in very close proximity to each other, and who may not have uh, health conditions that are this, so desirable. So I think here we are looking at the poor, the migrant, the elderly that has greater exposure and uh, threat to the illness, and then they need more support and capacity. And so if we were to look at that, for example, the elderly, how do we deal with those who are living alone? And how will their livelihood be affected in the COVID-19 lockdown situation, who is going to provide their medication, their support, uh, who is going to visit them, and uh, if they do not uh, get that kind of stimulation and social contact, will their mental, physical, social uh, capacities and stimulation be diminished? And so we are focusing on those especially who are disabled and uh, who need that help in daily living. Can we 
have a community response where neighbors, volunteers would visit uh, with the kind of precautions that are there. Can we help them deal with their families and their situations in the loss, in the death, and even in the uh, in the kind of fear and anxiety that they may have in this situation? Okay. So I Can think I, yeah. So social just, work will focus on the social network to get them to do things that are functional and to be able to, you know, dance or sing or uh, talk to their grandchildren uh, on on the on the technological front, whether it's a phone or WhatsApp or Zoom, and then you must make them to be able to connect with the world outside. So, so many things you're saying, so many things you're saying are so true. And I, I wonder if you would agree that we've seen, certainly in the United Kingdom, and I know around the world as well, people during this pandemic who have stepped up to be better neighbours, stepped up to actually take care and, and find out about the vulnerable and what help they need. And it, for me, the big question, I'm sure you would agree, is will this level of support remain after COVID-19 and how can we maintain it? How can we carry that on, that level of community support, community awareness? And I'm wondering about something that you mentioned just there about the world afterwards. We live in a, an increasingly digital world and I've been very impressed with um, some of the uh, innovations that are coming to do with caring for the vulnerable, such as smart houses designed to take care of the elderly um, much more, much more quickly if there was trouble, but also would have all sorts of technological advances that people can monitor them much better. Um, also, the recognition of domestic violence that's taken place during COVID, during lockdowns, that the fact that people are now having that more at the forefront of their minds as the terrible scourge that it is, and that and child abuse as well. And it's just a matter of continuing. And, and how we get that to continue, I would imagine, would you would agree with as well, how the care that has come forward during this pandemic, how we can keep it after the pandemic, that to me is an important matter. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, uh, David. Uh, it's only a natural thing when there is crisis, there is heightened awareness of the need. And then it's, uh, it's a solidarity. It's also neighborliness. It's also the compassion of the neighbors, the uh, different civic organizations, the uh, religious groups that come forward. And I think that's important. Um, but what you have said and raised is that post-crisis, um, will this be sustained? Mm. It will be in a different nature. And that's where the role of social workers and community organizers and crisis managers is in what we call peacetime, in times of non-crisis, mm. how they can build a strong, sustaining social network and support system, how they can engender greater neighborliness and community resilience and spirit. And I think that aspect 
is important. And for example, Singapore now realizes that one of the weakest link is migrant workers. And how can we sustain this post-COVID? How can we advocate for better housing and better uh, uh, terms for migrant workers who have come to Singapore? And I think that's an issue not only in Singapore, in Malaysia, in Thailand, in many parts of the world where um, workers have to cross boundaries to seek a better life for themselves and their family. And I think that's where the protection of the vulnerable groups, the human rights and social justice issue, which I think social workers have to beef up even more during other times and be able then to bring about change in social structure and social uh, policy towards the vulnerable groups. So I, I think, yes, yeah. we will have to continue the work and you will have to respond uh, in an appropriate fashion. One of the ways you said is digitalizing. And uh, uh, Singapore now has services to the migrant workers in different languages and they can just call a hotline uh, here for you and they can speak their own language mm -hmm. and be able to get crisis uh, counseling and support as well as advocacy for certain of the uh, social justice uh, concern that they may have. I think you were, you've touched on things there because you talked about communication issues which have always been a barrier to, to, to helping vulnerable people in the past and the whole idea of awareness raising and education. I mean, and the, the Global Institute of Social Work has been collecting some uh, material, hasn't it, such as videos on disaster management and making kind of uh, training available on the emphasis on, on human relationships and things that you've touched on. And I gather that, that we'll be gathering more uh, products or call it what you like, more teaching, more educational materials to be available to social workers across the world. I take it that's something that we'll continue to do in the Global Institute. Is that right? Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, uh, when China and Wuhan first was uh, uh, in that crisis, um, there were uh, many uh, uh, organizations in China and in specific the China Association of Social Education was uh, doing training and uh, uh, um, support for frontline workers, medical social workers, community social workers uh, dealing with the crisis. So I think here, uh, uh, Global Institute of Social Work was able to mount some of the critical causes and also together with other collaborations, have it in Chinese. And we have also video conferencing on that on yeah. Zoom. Yeah. And uh, these are available on the website as well as our training portal, which is gisw.teachable.com. So you can actually go in and see crisis management, the disaster management, crisis theory, and how we can respond to COVID-19 uh, in a better way. So I think our job is to train social workers to be more effective, but I think more than just social work, the community out there is also interested in how we can help the more vulnerable groups. How can we as a community deal with the crisis better? And I think 
part of the training must be supporting the professionals who are doing the job in terms of the self-care, in terms of being, uh, keeping themselves safe and keeping themselves happy and keeping positive. And I think professional training and uh, supervision is important in this regards. So I would say uh, we have done our little bit and we work together uh, with your organizations and others to publicize that training is available uh, for those who need it. Yeah, the, yeah. The, vital, the vital role of social workers you've just touched on there is something that I've always now increasingly felt is important. They are part of the multi-agency family. And, um, you know, if they work more in cohesion with uh, health, education, law enforcement, whatever, that, that, that increasingly to me is becoming the model in different parts of the world. Social workers as equal professionals giving their skills as part of the, the whole presentation. Did you, would you agree with me there? Yes, I think uh, when we are talking about work with individuals and family, we are often looking at more remedial intervention casework, but we need to move to the arena of systemic work, to mm. the area mm. of community and society, to advocacy, to dealing with the values and the training. For example, what are some of the principles and values for social intervention? And that we will have to treat everyone, young and old, uh, migrant or different nationalities. How can we provide adequate care and support? And how can we harness community uh, uh, intervention as well as long-term uh, physical as well as economic and health and housing uh, provisions for those vulnerable groups that we are saying. So I think it's advocating to government for adequate budget and for a balanced budget that not only deal with the economic but also the social uh, arena. Because if a person is stronger, if a family is stronger and more resilient, they will certainly be more productive. And so the many of the grants that the government has given uh, has been to reviving or resetting businesses to provide skills training, uh, provide uh, intervention in terms of uh, development of human capital. But I think the social capital, social network aspect has to be important. And then access to resources such as digital uh, uh, counseling, uh, uh, technology, uh, seniors now uh, making home visits through Zoom. Uh, uh, and uh, we have been part of the project, social workers have in Singapore been part of the project to help link uh, social workers uh, with elderly and children and others in terms of using technology. And so I think the future is, is bright, is hopeful, because people have to see a rainbow and uh, social workers can provide that, uh, that added uh, motivation and hope by linking people with people, linking people with resources, advocating for change that will protect the vulnerable people. 
And I think that's my, uh, yeah. my key message. Social solidarity is important and social work has to work with all the other sectors of society to promote social well-being. Yeah. Now, I just, just finally, perhaps, I mean, I, I totally understand that people are now realizing the value of social work in the resolution of conflict, which is what this is. But at the same time, it's transformative, um, a, a time of transformation in the world and possibly, as you said, a great opportunity to um, spotlight the value of social work to the whole community all across the world in its different formats and its different ways. But the GISW is, to my view, a vital place in terms of the future collation of training, education, debate, etc. And how would you just like to, just unashamedly, give a little bit of a, <clears throat> a, a, a kind of an invitation to people to, to, to join us, to, to send things to us, to use us, and to actually recognize the value of the Global Institute for Social Work. Because to my view, it's, um, it's a very, very important institution for the future. And uh, I'd very much like to hear your views about how people should join us. Well, thank you, David, for putting in a plug for us. And uh, you have been a very exemplary board member for uh, the Institute. Now, the Global Institute mount courses for free at this time to people who need it most, people coming from Azerbaijan, Armenia, India, China, South America. So basically, all the world can access good quality training that is um, important for them, that can help them do better in terms of competency, in terms of skills in social work. So what we need is people to contribute good material, and we are looking for more regional as well as national uh, uh, courses where there could be more specific language and contextual aspect. But even when we share with the world, we always ask, how does this apply to you? And my most common answer that I got from this is that the values, the principles of social work are universal. Our respect for different cultures our understanding of the individual and the community may be unique. And our stand in terms of the dignity worth of people and the uh, community spirit and solidarity. And I think these are important aspects that we try to develop in our courses in uh, Global Institute of Social Work. So, um, uh, certainly, in times of crisis, when uh, you cannot have face-to-face -face, uh, uh, courses and classes, the uh, digital format has been very good, and many, many new people have joined in. It's just so simple, gisw.teachable.com, and you can go in and you sign up for course. And if you like to give us feedback, we'll be happy to see what other courses we can mount for you 
and then what causes you would like to mount for Global Institute. Okay, and so I think it's a worldwide cooperation in all this. Right. It's as usual, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for coming on to the podcast, Thoughts on the Social World. Um, I will distribute this podcast as far and wide as we can because I think it's vital that people listen to what you have to add to say. Uh, obviously, I know that GISW will distribute this as well. But basically, on a personal level, it's a pleasure talking to you. And thank you very much for, uh, for being on the program. Thank you very much, David. And see you soon.